0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,198.
1: I always kind of like the, you know, if the plan doesn't work, change the plan, don't change the goal.
0: This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest calling in from Purcell, Oklahoma, Jeff Page. Hey, Jeff, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I'm locked and loaded. Let's go.
0: (laughs) All right. Love it. Jeff Page is the founder and head builder at Heartland Customs located in, like I said, Purcell, Oklahoma. His custom builds have been featured on numerous television shows and in car magazines as well. He has earned multiple top Good Guys and ISCA awards for his builds. Jeff has formed a partnership with the National Corvette Museum where his builds are archived and authenticated by the museum. Jeff also has a license to build authenticated Resto Mod nineteen sixty seven through sixty nine Yanko Camaros and sixty nine through seventy Yanko Chevelles using original bodies. I had the pleasure of meeting Jeff and seeing his GM Design Car of the Year Award winner at SEMA. His 1958 Spec vet that he designed and built, that was on display at the Covercraft booth. Oh my gosh, this car was absolutely insane. Loved it. So Jeff, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, to share a little bit more about your career, your business, and a very obvious passion for building very cool cars?
1: I've always been a, always been a car guy ever since I can remember when I was a kid. Even back to, you know, I, I watched the normal repertoire of, Smokey and the Bandit and Dukes of Hazard, and the <laughs> yeah. Van and, the, you know, you name all those cars and, and I can I can probably kind of timeline my entire childhood growing up by all the car shows and car movies that I that I watched. And that's it just kind of got me into the car thing. Um, so I've always. Love cars, loved everything about it, loved the culture, love the people that you meet in that. And uh so when I got out of high school, you know, some people go on to college, college wasn't for me. I tried it, I actually tried it a couple times and it just wasn't my thing. I knew I wanted to do something with uh with cars and all that, but it actually after I tried the college thing, I then decided to go into the Navy. So I was in the US Navy for four years. Well, thank uh, you for your service. Thank you. 2 years up in Washington state and I did 2 years down in San Diego and, nice. and uh, got out of the navy and then that's when I finally was like okay I'm I've, I've tried the college thing I've tried the military thing I'm going to do what I love to do and so that's when I started Heartland Customs in 2007 and uh let's see so we'll we'll be um 12 years in February
0: well congratulations you know this is a really great story because I love it. You know, college is not for everybody. And uh, I I love it when people decide, you know what, this isn't right. I shouldn't stay in here and keep doing this. I need to go do what I need to do. Like I said, thanks for your service to go off and give that a shot and see if that was something you wanted to go down. But sounds like all those days of growing up around the car stuff, you knew in your heart you wanted to be a car guy. And I'll tell our listeners, the quality of builds that this guy, Jeff, builds Oh, my gosh. Uh, Absolutely spectacular. We're going to talk a little bit about that wonderful Corvette I saw at SEMA in the Covercraft booth. But first, as we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Jeff, take the wheel.
1: I would have to say uh, not much for quotes too much, but as far as a, a mantra I always kind of like the, you know, if the plan doesn't work, change the plan, don't change the goal. And that kind of falls right in there in line with, you know, I know I knew what I wanted to do. I tried college, I tried the military, I tried all of those things. But I always had the goal in mind of what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be in the automotive industry. And so I had to kind of change the plan a few times to figure it out. You know, I always had the same goal in mind and then finally achieved it.
0: You know, I love that whole concept. And I would imagine that falls into place very nicely when you're building a custom car, because no doubt you run up against things that you go, oh, my gosh, I didn't see this one coming. How have you incorporated that into how you build a car? I mean, you start out with a goal, obviously, that's where you need to be. But I'd imagine there's a lot of bizarre things that pop up.
1: There, there is, you know, one of the things that people come to Heartland Customs for uh, rather than some other car builders is there doesn't seem to be anything that we can't accomplish. I get some customers that come in here with some requests that would blow your mind and we make it happen. And you just have to figure out a way to make it work. And sometimes I, I heard a, a really good line that uh, somebody at SEMA had told me in my very first year I, I went to SEMA, and they said, you know, if you if you don't have a customer that'll allow you to put three or four hundred hours into a custom part, and then when you hate it, just throw it in the trash, mm. then that you probably don't want to build a custom car for that person if they won't allow you to do that. And it like kind of shocked me because you think what three or 400 man hours cost somebody to just right. throw that piece in the trash is is kind of insane. But yeah. at the same time, when you build a fully custom car where every piece is custom designed and hand fabricated, there's yeah. a lot of those pieces sometimes that just don't work out. And so, you know, again, there you are, you're, you've got a goal to get it done, but you're going to have to change the plan quite a few times Same way, if you you build a car for SEMA, you're just asking for it then because then all those things that are going to normally happen are going to happen in a condensed schedule, especially that week or two right before SEMA. You don't get to sleep or eat.
0: (laughs) No, I know. You know, every time I go to SEMA, and this past SEMA was my 30th year attending that event, and I'm just amazed at the number of vehicles. But more so, knowing so many builders as I do, I just walk through going, I can't imagine what the last two months were like, if you put all these guys and gals together of getting to this point. I mean, the stress level and the anxiety and the hours and the blood, sweat and tears and the screaming and ranting and the smiles, all this stuff combined, it just blows me away. So I would imagine uh, one little thing I heard with that comment was, which could be a golden nugget is if you're building something custom and it's just not working, do not force it.
1: Absolutely. you Sometimes, and we kind of even have a motto here at our shop where there's something that's just beating you up and you just can't get, it could be a screw. You can't get the screw to go in. It's something all the time. And sometimes I just tell people, walk away, just walk away clear your brain, go do something else for an hour or two, or maybe even you just got to, it's close to the end of the day. You just clock out, go home, sleep on it. You come back the next day and the screw goes in on the first try. It, it happens all the time. That's kind of something that you just sometimes, you, sometimes you got to do. You don't, you don't want to force it. If you force it, you're going to cause an issue that's going to be a lot bigger thing to fix than what. what's oh, actually yeah. working. Yeah.
0: Oh, I know exactly. You know, I married a very smart woman and uh, that's one of the things she tells me when I'm kind of be- beating my head against the table here or whatever. She goes, you know what? Walk away. Your brain will work on it while you're asleep. Yep. And just get away from it for a while. Get that those fresh eyes on it at another time. Uh, you know, that whole force thing is the same with relationships with people. If If something's not working right, <laughs> forcing it is not going to make it better. That's sure. for sure. Sometimes you got to walk away, take a breath, rethink. Well, let's talk about a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. You got to talk about, you know, growing up uh, with a car culture surrounding you and then uh, trying the college thing, doing the military thing, but realizing that I've got to go build cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you uh, just that you can remember that was so crystal clear that this is what I have to go do?
1: I do. I, I think the first time I sat in an old car that was actually mine was a 68 was a Camaro even now i'm 39 years old and i can i can still remember what it smelled like what the steering wheel felt like the first time i sat in that car and it was you know the car was rusty at that point and the the vinyl on the seats was all torn and i mean it was just a mess but i still remember what that feels like and i and i can still remember the moment that i sat in that car and it was it was almost kind of like a lightning bolt to the head you know when i sat in there that i was like this was This is what I want to do. I want to figure out a way that I can be around these cars and make these cars beautiful because, you know, you see the pictures and things of them when when they were new and how amazing they were and what a huge part of like Americana that they were and bringing those cars back to as nice or even better than they were when they were brand new. I, I knew at that moment that that was what I wanted to do.
0: It's amazing to me how that sensory thing can happen. I was just shooting a few weeks ago. I'm I'm going to be having a new TV show, Cars Yeah TV show in the new year here. And we went down and shot at a guy's shop, uh, Joey Giordano, who has uh, straight-up dubs, and he restores old VW bugs and buses and guias. And I had a guia in high school, and he had a guia there, and I sat in it, and it just, oh, it was like all this stuff came rushing back from when I was in high school and going surfing. And driving the car up the mountains to go skiing and, and to look and feel the car. It just and the smell. It's like it was smell. right there. Isn't that isn't that weird?
1: It is very strange and and I've always called them time machines because We've we've built cars before that we'll have at a show and I may have an older guy or gal come up to me and, you know, they always want to tell you a story if it's a, say it's a 69 Camaro, they want to tell you the story about the, the 69 Camaro that they had when they were growing up or maybe a 56 Bel Air or whatever it was. They always want to, they want to touch the car. They want to kind of be part of that car because it it reminds them of their childhood. And if you let them sit in that car, it's really kind of crazy to watch the look on their face because the car almost becomes a time machine. It almost takes them back to when they were kids and remember riding in the backseat of that car with their, their parents and things like that. So yeah, they have a, they have a big effect on us.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a failure. Being an entrepreneur, running your own business, oh my gosh, there's a lot of ups and downs to this stuff. Uh, A lot of things you don't see coming sometimes. Some things you see coming, you don't want to have them hit you in the face. But I'd love for you to share a specific situation that challenged you. Walk us through it and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more more momentum and what you learned from it so you can move forward
1: probably around 2011 um the economy was kind of rough uh in this country and and when it was you know when the economy takes a downturn then folks tend to tend to not spend money on restoring cars or or you know building custom cars or toys or however you want to look at them you know that's that's not what they're they're spending the money they kind of grab their wallets and, and hold them close So that was kind of rough, I think, for everybody in the industry around that 2011 mark. And it was really rough on us because at that point, Heartland Customs was just like every other restoration shop out there. And we were – you pretty much, you know, in your early years of being a shop, you're taking whatever falls in the door. You know, if somebody calls you and says, hey, I want you to restore a 75 Econoline van or something, you know, you're like – it was okay. whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're paying great. I, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever to keep the doors open and and pay the overhead. And so that's kind of what we were doing up to that point, like everybody was doing. And uh, when that economy took, took a, a downturn, I basically had to come in here and I had to let everybody go in the shop. We had one car, we had a 29 model a roadster in here and we were doing a complete ground up restoration of this car I think I had five guys at the time, and I was like, I can't pay five people plus myself to sit here and work on one car. And that's just not going to work. And so I, I did. I had to, I basically had to come in here. I had to let everybody go. And I was the only one left here in the shop for an entire year. And and I didn't I basically didn't take a paycheck. You know, I basically lived off my wife's uh income. She was the director of the chamber of commerce here, and we lived off her paycheck for an entire year just so that what I made working on that Model A went straight to keep the lights on down here at the shop. That was definitely my my challenge. That was when we were kind of the rock bottom of the company, but it's kind of crazy because that year allowed me to work on that Model A during the day. And then I didn't go home until probably 10 or 11 o'clock every night. I was down here from 7 in the morning until 10 or 11. And I was either working on that car or I was figuring out a way to change the plan. I knew that our company couldn't survive doing things the way that we were doing it and the way that all these other shops that were doing it that were also going out of business and things. And so that year gave me the chance to come up with my spec program, which is what changed, which completely turned around my whole company. And that's our program that we have now for Corvettes and Camaros and Chevelles. And and now we just started our new truck program where you choose the year that's your favorite vehicle and then we modernize it to a full resto mod but it looks just like the way it was when it was original and it's all done at a set price and i wouldn't have had we not kind of kind of died in 2011 i wouldn't have had the time to come up with that program and figure out all the you know how much is it going to cost and how many hours does this vehicle take and what do we got to do for every what options can be available what does each one of those options cost all those things i mean the I probably got thousands of hours into figuring all that stuff up. And had the economy not gone bad and me been here with that one car, I never would have had the opportunity to do all that. It's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, it's an incredible story. and, And it's a really important story because it tells me the takeaway I get from this is even when your business is good, you've got to find a time to stop working in your business and work on it. Because times will change, things will change, something will affect you that is not your fault from the outside or within or whatever it might be. But to take that time to rethink how your business could be different. And I've heard this from many, many builders who either went through that time and survived because they were diversified, they were doing other things on top of restoration, or people that weren't and ended up like you and had to figure out a new direction. So I really appreciate you. Sharing that. Is that kind of your big aha moment in your business? It sure sounds like it.
1: I think that definitely was part of it. Another kind of aha moment that I had was, you know, when it all kind of the, the light bulb flicked on for me was when I was actually in the Navy. My dad, who's an optometrist here in Purcell, he'd always wanted a 61 Corvette. His older brother had had one when they were younger. And that was like his dream car. Well, he was finally in a place in life that, you know, kids were all grown and gone and all that. And he wanted to build him a 61 Corvette. So he actually, my grandfather was a mechanic and had taught my dad all the mechanic skills. So, And that's who taught me um, all of my mechanic skills. And I was in the Navy. I was actually on the whole other side of the world and through email I helped design that car with him. And then he was the one here, actually hands-on building the car. So we built the car together just from two different sides of the globe. And then when I got out of the Navy and came back, he was in kind of the the final home stretch on that car and we actually got to finish it together. And so when we did that, he kind of, this was before the word restomod was even a word. You know, there were guys that were, putting some better suspension and doing suspension swaps and disc brakes and stuff like that to improve old cars. But to actually take one and fully modernize every system in the car to where it was like a modern sports car had not really been done too much. And if it had, nobody had coined the term for it yet. And so uh, that's basically what he wanted to do is he said, "I, I want it to look like the 61 Corvette that my brother had, But I don't want it to drive like the 61 Corvette my brother had because that was basically like a log wagon. Uh, So that's what he basically did is we we figured out suspensions that we could, you know, mock up into the original chassis and then boxing the frame on the chassis to make it stronger. And then that was even kind of before the aftermarket AC units and things like vintage air and all that were really big. So, you know, he basically took late model air conditioning and figured out how to, you know, kind of jailbreak the system and get in there and learn how it worked and how to integrate it into a kind of an aftermarket universal system for his car. And so he did all these things on this car and we kind of did it together via email. And then when I, when I got back, we finished it up. And of course he wanted to take it to some car shows and stuff like that and show off his work. And And we took it and everywhere we took it, there were 200 people around this car, you know, there could be a thousand cars at the car show and there might be two or three people looking at each car. And then there would be a hundred people around his car where people were waiting in line to get up there to take pictures of of it because they couldn't believe that the car looked like it did in 61, but everything in there was like a brand new sports car and everybody's going, you know, who did this? This is amazing. And you know, all that. Well, me, I'm a car guy and I kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit. And when I'm standing back and I'm seeing that, that's when I, the light bulb came on. The light bulb flipped on and I said, OK, if I'm here at a car show and there's 300 people standing here and two of them, 200 of them are over here thinking this most amazing thing they've ever seen, I'm sure there's other people that would agree and would like us to do something like that for them. And that's kind of what started the whole company. So that was definitely that was
0: definitely my aha moment. Oh, it's an awesome story and the fact that your dad was involved makes it even better. I mean, it's just it's really heartwarming. You know, you mentioned uh, Vintage Air. I was fortunate to have Rick Love, who's the executive VP of Vintage Air, as a guest here on Cars Yeah back in uh gosh, it was, I think it was February of 2017. He was guest number 700 something like that. Great guy, great company. Wanted to do a little shout out to him, but uh, wonderful story there, Jeff. That's awesome. Well let's have a little bit of fun and talk about your first really special car. Maybe share a memory you have
1: about that vehicle. This is probably this is probably the best story I've got right here. And that cool. That is when I was fourteen, um, you know, as a as a car guy or girl, when you're getting close to sixteen years old, you gotta start figuring out what you're gonna have for a first car, and, and it's not gonna be a Prius. You know, it's you've gotta figure out something cool. Uh and, you know, we got to have some horsepower and it's, it's got to smell like America when you fire it up. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's gotta be something cool. So I started looking around about the time I'm probably close to close to 15, but I think I'm, uh, maybe mid 14 years old. And, and my mom comes up to me and she goes, well, what about a 68 Camaro? And I go, you know, this is, I think, 1994. And yeah, you know, what 16 year old in Purcell, Oklahoma has a 68 Camaro and she goes, Well, that was my first car. She says, uh, I guess she had straight A's and had done everything that she was supposed to do growing up. And and my grandfather uh asked her what car that she wanted, and she saw this 68 Camaro on a billboard and said, I want that one. I want it just like that. And he actually went and bought her a 68 Camaro that looked Whoa, like cool one of the one on the billboard. Cool mom. Yeah, cool mom and cool grandpa, you know, to buy her that car. So she actually had that car for about two years. And in 1970, she traded it in. Funny part about that is the dealership that she traded it in at is now Heartland Customs. I my what? is yeah my building is a 1949 Buick Pontiac GMC dealership. Oh, that's sweet. And, that's sweet. Um, it's got the big glass bubble showroom on and all that from the late 40s, early 50s. Very cool, very cool nice building. And we've restored the whole thing, so it's it's a really neat place. And, but this is the actual dealership where she traded that Camaro in. And man,
0: oh man, that's like the awesome. That is awesome.
1: Yeah. She traded it in for a 70 Buick Grand Sport, which is also a cool car too. But um, yeah. so mom's also a car. She's a car girl. Dad's a car guy. So, you know, I can't imagine where I get it from. So when I'm 14, she says, you know, I had a 68 Camaro and she's telling me the whole story. Well, then I kind of, you know, start getting curious and I'm like I wonder where that car is that 68 Camaro is and I start asking my dad and and he says well the people that bought it the second owners that bought it from this dealership they still live in Purcell so he makes a phone call and they said well our daughter still has the car she lives in Florida Whoa. now but she still drives it as her daily driver man and they give me her phone number so my dad calls her down in Florida and Tell you know, ask her would you would you sell it, whatever? And she goes, well, you know, it's about time. It's got two hundred sixty four thousand miles on it. <laughs> yeah. She's driving it every day, the salt water. It was a vinyl top car, and the salt water had just eaten the vinyl top off, and the floor pans were gone. And I mean, it was it was pretty rough from the salt water down there in Florida. And um he works a deal with her, and he bought it. I I think for like fifteen hundred dollars. I mean, it was. Wow. Dirt cheap, but the car was you know pretty bad condition, yeah, so um my dad is kind of his hobby was he was he had owned a little Cessna airplane with about four or five other guys and so we hop in the Cessna airplane and it's it's me who's fourteen, it's my cousin uh who I think was like seventeen and my mom, and we get in there with my dad and he flies us to Florida. she meets us at the airport in the Camaro. And we get out. My dad take, turns around and takes off and flies back to Oklahoma. And we get in the Camaro and we drive it all the way oh, man. to Oklahoma. Whoa. Uh, the starter goes out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And I had to put a new starter on in the parking lot in uh, <laughs> Baton Rouge, which is which was exciting. And then we got the car all the way uh, back to Oklahoma. And it was funny because... We were joking the whole time. I remember uh, talking about how it was like a Flintstones car because if you picked up the mats, you could, <laughs> you could up see up the road and <laughs> the, <laughs> the roof was all rusted out. So it looked like a, like a starry night when you looked up there from all. The <laughs> so we got the car back and me and my dad over a nine month period stripped it all the way down to bare steel and completely restored that car. So my mom's first car was my first car. Oh, man. Car.
0: That is the coolest story I think I've heard. That is, <laughs> that is so nice. Yeah. I, I think it's wonderful, too, that you guys drove it back. What a wonderful experience uh, to for you to have with your mom. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't know
1: it. if it was the smartest thing we ever <laughs> the drive, a 264,000-mile Camaro yeah, halfway across the United States, but yeah, it definitely, it's definitely a memory that's stuck.
0: You made it. That's all that matters. Wow. What an awesome story. Got goosebumps on that one. How about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back?
1: I had a 50 Chevy pickup, 55 window pickup, uh, short bed. I I love that truck. A guy came by here at the shop and sold it and I, I bought it really, really cheap. And it was a run and driving truck, straight six. I drove it around, just kind of parked it out in front of the shop. It was kind of neat. I, I did the old sign painters, uh, writing on the door and put the Heartland Customs winged logo on there. And it was just kind of a neat little shop truck, kind of run and get parts and things like that. I didn't really fix it up. It was just a flat black. I, I'm pretty sure it was painted with a rattle can. I set that out there and. I think about three or four weeks after I bought the truck, a guy came in here and offered me about seven times what I bought, bought it for, and I sold (laughs) it. And that was probably the truck that I really loved. I really loved that truck. And I just loved the oldness of it and the smell of it and the big, huge steering wheel. And I loved how it drove like crap, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of crazy because what I do for a living is make them not drive like crap. Yeah. And, but something about that, I just love the fact that it was bad and it was kind of ran all over the road when you tried to drive and suspension yeah. steering was worn out. And, you know, I'm sure there were mice living under the seat, but <laughs> I, I love that truck. I wish I hadn't sold that truck. And what's kind of neat about that is about six months ago, I had a guy walk in the shop and he says, I've got an old truck that I need to sell. And typically when somebody comes in here and they say, I've got an old truck to sell, that's like a 92 long bed you know, that what he wants. Uh, And so I go, okay, what do you got? And he says, it's a 55 window Chevy pickup short. And I go, really? And he goes, yeah. And he says, I want to, I'm asking $3,000 for it. And (laughs) I said, $3,000. And he shows me a picture. It's red. And I mean, it looks great in pictures. And I'm going, okay. And it's about 15 minutes away. And so we drive over there and we get the we get the truck, you know, look at it and it doesn't run and all that, but I'm like, it runs. I know these old these old cars and trucks, if you put some gas in them, put the battery in them, they'll fire up. I mean, it never fails. They're built like tanks. So I make a deal and actually uh I talked him down to twenty five hundred dollars, which my wife was so mad at me for doing. She <laughs> says 3000 was a steal. And I go, yeah, yeah but 2500 was even more of a steal. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I bargained it down. Anyway, we we bought it. And uh, my shop foreman who, who drove us over there, me and him put gas in it, changed the battery out. In about five minutes, we had that thing purring like a kitten. And we Beautiful. drove it back, uh, which the guy that sold the truck was not super happy about because he was mad that he sold a running truck for 2,500 bucks. And I told him, I go, no, no, no. I said, your truck didn't run. My truck runs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. My truck runs, not yours. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Nicely done. (laughs) So now I've got the 55 window uh, short bed straight six back that I wish I'd never sold. And then now my son, who's 11, he'll be 12 in February. Me and him are actually taking that truck apart and I've got a 5.3 and a 4L60 and some stuff like that. And we're going to build that for him. And that's going to be his first car when he's 16.
0: Oh, that's nice. Another awesome story, Jeff. That's fantastic. Well, what had you excited and fired up in this new year about Heartland Customs?
1: I think uh, the kind of the latest development that we've had here is um, I was able to secure the license from Yinko in 2018 to do authenticated real deal Yinko Camaros and Chevelles. That was always kind of the the car. I remember I had the Hot Wheels. I had the sixty nine Yinko Camaro and it was it was black with white stripes and it had the black and white houndstooth interior and I still remember the little hot wheel car. I wish I still had the little car, but I I remember playing with it as a kid. And I just always knew that the the Yinko cars were just the king of the muscle cars back then. Uh, They had the cool Corvette 427s in them and bigger brakes and better suspension and wider tires. And they were just awesome. So I knew that. Our spec program where we started out with the Corvettes, um, we started there and we partnered with the National Corvette Museum. And those have been a huge hit. We, we've got a pretty extensive waiting list on those right now. But I knew I wanted to get over into the Camaros. Just, you know, that was my first car. I love Camaros and Chevelles. And so it made sense for kind of our our top of the line, uh, top tier Camaro and Chevelle To be a yinko because that was kind of the top tier camaro and chevelle back in the day but i didn't just want to clone them or have them be tribute cars as people call them i wanted it to be the real thing i wanted them to you know yinko to be on board Um, and so that's what i did i sought them out i showed them my designs my pricing all that stuff they loved it because i they truly do look exactly like the original yinko cars but now every single function of the car is 2018 and beyond, down to the turn signals hidden in the mirrors and everything is just like a brand new sports car. But when it drives by, other than the the paint and the fit and the finish on the car being extensively better than it was in 69, other than that, it looks exactly like the car. Even down to when you open the hood, the the engine, the original Yinko Camaros had The big block 427 and we've taken the ls7 which is 427 cubic inches also and made it even look like the original yinko big block 427 down to the valve covers down to the spark plug wires i mean it's like it's crazy how detailed the engine is to where it looks just like the old car so everything to the interior to the gauges now dakota digital does us some amazing gauges that look exactly like the 69 gauges, but now you've got the little LCD message boxes built into the gauge cluster. So it tells you the outside temperature and what gear you're in if you got an automatic. And um, yeah, it's all backlit and it's LED and you can change the colors. And it's just amazing what we can do on these cars to where we can modernize every single function of the car, but still make it look just, just like we did. And then now you can have those cars and have a letter of authenticity from Yinko, it, it's, it's the real deal. And they're real bodied Camaros. There's some other guys out there that are using Dynacorn bodies or some of the aftermarket bodies mm-hmm. um, and our license uh, states that we use the real the real Camaros. So they're not they're not kit cars like uh, some of the ones that you see out there. They're the real deal. So that is it's kind of crazy because we're building Camaro number one, which is a black and white '69 Camaro like with <laughs> houndstooth interior, just like the Hot Wheels car that I had when I was a kid. That's Yinko car Camaro number one. So, we'll we'll be finishing that car up in January. So, everybody, kind of keep your eye out. We'll be putting all that on social media and our website and stuff, so you can check that thing out. But that'll that one's going to kind of revolutionary, the you know, revolutionize the the muscle car market. I believe.
0: Yeah, no doubt. What oh, awesome! Really, really happy for you guys what you're doing. 2019 looks like a fantastic year for Heartland Customs. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Jeff. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car parked in the garage, what would Jeff?
1: Oh, man. Um, that was tough. Uh, I would <laughs> say Jay Leno's got a 55 Buick Roadmaster that I, I think if somebody told me right, it was like his first car or maybe his, first, his wife went out on the first date in this car. It's a black and silver and it's a resto mod. Uh, and I think that car, it's big and it's, it's bulky. I'm kind of a big guy. Um, it's, it's fun to be around. It's fun to, to hang out with and stuff like that. But under its skin, it's, it's pretty technologically advanced and complicated. And that's kind of how I am. Like, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of a, maybe a little rough around the edges and, and I'm a big guy, but, I can pretty much hang right in there with, with the guys that are doing the computer stuff and all that, which is kind of why it works out in here because I get to be a car builder and I get to be dusty and dirty and, you know, blocking cars and painting cars and things like that. But then our, our technology side is what sets us apart here by being able to integrate in all those brand new comforts and amenities that people are used to today. So that would probably be, um, that's a really complicated answer to probably. question but that would probably be what i would be
0: i like that That that's an awesome answer very well thought through well jeff up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal let's say thank you to today's cars yeah sponsors what's the worst thing for your car's interior no it's not that milkshake the kids spilled in the back seat it's the sun harmful uv rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside even on a cloudy day What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays, while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install, stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator. And you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years. And they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. karja.com hey Mark green here from the karjaat yeah podcast did you know you can now see me on the karjaat yeah TV show that's right Karja yeah is now on Mav TV I visit some of the past karjaak yeah guests and take you along for the ride go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy karja yeah TV Mav TV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fubo TV Fios by Verizon or you can stream it through Mav online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Jeff, we're back. We're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Probably buy good tools. Um, yes. <laughs> <you> know, bad <laughs> yeah. tools, are not. it's not worth saving a dollar to buy cheap tools.
0: No, absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years?
1: Organization. Being able to even like we're talking about tools a second ago, same thing. Being able to just open a drawer and know exactly where something is. uh, It's it really helps out time management. Oh, gosh. Really important when you're building a car, too.
0: Now, how about a resource? There are lots of great resources for us these days. Is there one you'd like to share?
1: Um, One of my favorite is is probably Covercraft, uh, which is Covercraft.com. Oh, yeah. Um, We've partnered with them last few years and and hopefully for many years in the future uh, having vehicles in their their SEMA booth, but their products are second to none. Um, I actually went all the way to Las Vegas a few years ago to find the most high-end car cover company I could make. And then I found out that they are 30 minutes from my shop here in Oklahoma. So, <laughs> yeah. But they're yeah, they're amazing.
0: You know, they have been a sponsor here at Cars Yeah for a long time, and I, I so appreciate it. I started using their covers back in 1975 when I was in high school. I was the only kid in my high school that covered my car. Everybody kind of knew me for that. In fact, sometimes they play tricks on me and they take my cover off and put it on other cars just to mess with me. But um Covercraft, they do. And and I worked at, at Griot's Garage for years. And we sold Covercraft covers for 20 years there. And I researched every cover company out there. I can honestly say they make the best by far. My cars are covered with Covercraft covers right now. They've got floor mats in them, dash covers. I mean, they offer so many things. They keep growing. So shout out to Covercraft. A big thank you to them. Now, if I could arrange to have a drink. Have you have a drink, I should say, with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: I think, uh, you know, I hate to plug Jay Leno again here. I feel like this is a Jay Leno segment. He has such an extensive collection. I've never had the opportunity to go out there and see his big dog garage, but um, that would probably be a bucket list item for me would be to kind of hang out with him for a little bit, maybe tour his collection and and just pick his brain because – that guy knows so much knowledge about, you know, everything from Duesenberg's, the Della Hayes to Stanley steamers. I mean, he knows everything about all that stuff. So oh, yeah. that, would, that would be my choice.
0: <laughs> my listeners, regular listeners have heard this ad nauseum. I have tried so many ways to get him on this show. Someday I'm going to get him on this show. I have had the pleasure of meeting and talking to him numerous times. He's just the nicest guy, but he is a wealth of information. He's the real deal. Really is. I mean, a lot of people say celebrities and you know, they just had the money to buy stuff. This guy, he, he's he's the real deal. So Jay, call me someday, Jay, please. <laughs> Jeff and I want to talk to you. Uh, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: Man, I remember there was a – I wasn't in college that long. But when I was there, I remember they had us read a book. And it was a late 1800s book, 1888 or 84 or something like that. And it was called Men of Invention and Industry. Um, and it was, um, Samuel Smiles was the, was the author of it. And it's, it's a really cool book about the process of some of the world's greatest inventions, the cotton gin, the screw propeller, the things like that. And, and what was neat about it. And, and it really kind of hit home with what we do now and what we talked about earlier in this podcast was. It it talks about the things that they ran into, the trials and tribulations and how they overcame them and then, you know, ended up, you know, making these amazing inventions that now we use every day.
0: Awesome. Very cool. I think it's the first time anybody's recommended that book. And I'll remind our listeners, you can find all these great recommendations on Jeff's show notes page on the Cars website. Just go to CarsYow.com, type in Jeff Page. P-A-G-E, and his page will pop right up. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Jeff, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. doesn't matter what it is or where it is. I'm going to park it in your garage, but there's a couple rules to this little story. One is you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other cars with. You got to drive it, enjoy it. No garage queens here. I want you to get out on the road, and it's the only cool collector car you can have. That's the hard part, so... What can I buy
1: I think uh, kind of back to what I was talking about earlier, I was a real big movie buff growing up. So all the the cars that were in these movies as I was a kid and one that really sticks out and be honest with you, I've I've never had the opportunity to sit in one of these and I don't even know if I would fit in it. (laughs) But there was a, a movie with Matthew Broderick called Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Um and it was it was one of my favorites uh growing up. I think I even had the movie poster like on the back of my bedroom door. There was a red 61 Ferrari 250 GT California in that car that his buddy Cameron owned. And that car still to this day, when I see pictures of that car, that is one of the sexiest cars ever ever designed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think they're about the size of a Miata. So you know, if somebody could find a way to scale that up by about twenty five percent, that would be the car that I would want. You
0: know, I know this guy named Jeff Page who <laughs> can take cars and do whatever you want with them. So uh, I think I know the right guy to call here. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Well, if I if I bought you the one from the movie, it'd be a cheap Charlie because that's a fake, that's as right. we all know. Yeah. But um, I'm thinking you deserve the real deal, which is going to quite a bit more. We're talking uh, millions and millions of dollars. But uh, if there's anybody that uh, could figure out how to fit in that car and maybe modify it, I know there's some purists out there right now that their ears just started bleeding (laughs) when I said that. But uh, you know what? It's a car. You should do what you want. So I will get to work to find you uh, Ferris Bueller's 250 GT. Beautiful cars. Those California Spiders. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. Really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. It was so good to meet you at SEMA. That's an extra special, delightful treat. You spent so much time with me there, showing me that beautiful Corvette that you built. Oh my gosh! In the uh, Covercraft booth, could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that California Spider?
1: Yeah, my wife used to watch a show called Project Runway. I think it's still it's still going on on TV right now. And they they had a guy on there named Tim Gunn that was kind of their host. Yeah, he had a little phrase in there: "Make it work." That was. I always heard that when I would come in and out of the room, as my my wife's watching Project Runway, that you know they would give a a box full of paper plates and have to make a runway dress out of it in 12 hours, and he would just tell them make it work, make it work. I think that's that's kind of what you have to keep in your mind is you have to make it work. You know whether it's firing everybody that works for you at the time and completely reinventing your business and, and yourself at the same time. Or if it's getting that screw or that bolt in, you know, whatever it is, you got to you got to figure out a way to make it work. And you're the only one that can do it. So that would that would be my best advice I could give.
0: Make it work. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Heartland Customs?
1: Uh, Our website is www.heartlandcustoms.com. We have an Instagram page at Heartland Customs and we have a Facebook page and we try to update that stuff on a daily basis. So check all that stuff out.
0: Yeah. You really should check it out. What Jeff and his team are building, talented people, craftspeople. These cars will blow you away. And if you're in a fortunate position to have a car built, Jeff is the guy to call. Jeff, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible stories, some wonderful stories with me today until you and I talk again. I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. member finra sipic ck financial services is not affiliated with money concepts capital corp thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at cars yeah drive on over to cars to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun